Good morning. It's great to see you in worship this morning. You know, this is family day, fifth Sunday, uh, happens, what, four times a year, and so uh, kids have helped us in worship. I'm going to ask them to come back up and help me as we begin this sermon, just by a little object lesson with a balloon. So if you were up here singing or you're, uh, you know, elementary school age kid, come on up for a moment and help me do this, all right? I got a ton first, sir. Yeah, here they come. All right, you guys can just kind of stand in a kind of half circle here. All right. Yeah, you can come over here if you want. You can block me, that's fine. You can come over right on here. Just make a circle right around me, all right? <laughs> come on. Alexis, there we go. All right, Alexis, me and you, all right? All right, I want to start by asking you a question, all right? How many of you, the thing you love about school the most is the schoolwork? Oh, wow, we got a couple. How many of you, the thing you love about school the most is getting to see your friends? Uh, He's not sure over here. Yeah, probably most of us, the thing we love about school the most is our friends, right? Um, how, many you, how many of you love to make new friends? Absolutely, it's fun, right? There's nothing like having a good friend that you, you know, you can maybe, you stay the night over at their house, you go to things together, you play together. And so today I want to just make an object lesson here, and we're going to say that this white balloon is you. This represents you, right? Okay? And this is a paper full of pepper, right? So, this represents friends, all right? Now, I want friends to be with me, right? I want to make new friends. I want to have friends. You know, I can't, I just can't seem to get my friends to stick to me, all right? Right? Let me ask you, though, what would be some ways that you would make a friend or how do you make friends how have you made the friends that you have now how do you make how do, how do you make friends um, being, really nice to them. being nice to them all right everybody good no one has family pictures afterwards right okay Lewis great answer let me rub your head a little bit you're nice to them anybody else how else do you make friends Brenna You ask them, you ask them if they want to be their friend? To say hi to them. Say hi to them, good. Anybody else? To ask them a few questions about themselves? Yeah, to find out about them, what they like. what. To be nice to them. Be nice to them, yeah, good job. Tyson? Smile at them. Smile at them, that's a good thing. Anybody else? I know you got something, right? You guys are just agreeing with everybody else, right? Yeah? yeah? Anybody else? No. Alexa? No? All right, now watch what happens. When you do these things, when you act this way, guess what happens? Watch this. Ah, that's so cool, isn't it? I think I need to keep rubbing you. We need some more over here. There we go. You don't want pepper on her face. (laughs) Yeah, when we do these things, We attract people and they become our friends, right? I won't keep rubbing it. We won't fill it off because you will get pepper in your hair, all right? 
that I might burn. I got pepper in my hair. I did get pepper in your hair? I thought you did. I see a few. No, I'm teasing. Yeah, that's how we make friends. We don't just make, we just don't have friends. We make friends by caring about them, by asking them about themselves, by asking them to be our friends, by all those things that you said, right? And so that's what we want to talk about today. And I thank you for coming up and letting your head be rubbed. Can we give them a hand? All right, so we are finishing up stuck. Um, You know, stuck happens. Uh, We've all figured that out. Jesus, as he was here, has this uh, relationship with this people, his own people, who had gotten so stuck in their way of thinking, in their beliefs, in the way they acted, the way that they were, they were completely so stuck in that, that when he comes and he starts to share with them things that would set them free, give them life, they're so stuck they don't even see it. In fact, they got to a point, Jesus, Jesus said this in, in John chapter 8. He said, if you hold to my teachings, you're my, my disciples. And then you will know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. Get you unstuck. And yet they were so stuck that they looked at this guy who offered them freedom, offered them exactly what they needed, and they wanted to kill him, right? They ended up killing him. And you know what? That has been the story of us from then until now. Stuck happens, right? We get stuck in our way of thinking, in our way of living, in our way that we completely miss what it is to live a life that is free, It can be any number of things where we get stuck, but it absolutely is a reality that happens so often in our lives or can happen. We've talked about things, so here's a challenge. You're keeping me accountable. I have, they told me I have 54 slides today. Yeah, look at you. (laughs) Moms, you got kids too, and I got 54 slides. (laughs) Hey, I got through them fine first service, so let's just like put our seatbelts on and we're gonna like go real fast. But, um, now I lost my train of thought. So we've looked at where stuck happens so often. It happens often we get stuck in our past, right? I'm stuck in my past. I can't get over my past. And I live there and it eats me alive. And we've realized this. I become unstuck from my past when my failure is redeemed, my hurt is released, and my identity is realized. That's the way I get unstuck from my past. We've also, the second week we looked at, often we get stuck just with ourselves, our habits, our decision-making, our attitudes. We just literally look around and say, you know what, as a person, I am just stuck. I cannot get out of my own way. I am my worst enemy. And we've realized that I become unstuck from myself when I surrender to his power, embrace his community, and am overwhelmed by his love. His, his, his. You cannot make yourself unstuck. He is the only answer you have to getting unstuck from yourself, to getting out of your way, to realizing the potential and the plans that God has for your life. It's through the power of his Holy Spirit and being overwhelmed by his love. 
Last week, Ken looked at being stuck in our circumstances, right? I did not do anything to deserve this. I did not make any decision that caused me to be here. But yet, as life happens, things that are out of our control happen. We literally get stuck in circumstances that we just, we, we just look around and say, how did I get here, and what in the world can I do about it? And we notice from that that I can become unstuck from my circumstances. When I let God redeem my plans, I embrace yet living and allow God to give me new tools to manage my circumstances. But the last thing I want to talk to you about this Sunday, it's something that you'd be surprised uh, in the role I do, that this comes up so often with people. And I simply would share that today I want to talk about stuck with my relationships. Stuck with my relationships. It is amazing to me how many people in our present culture live day in and day out really not being known and not knowing. I don't know if it's because our culture has fast-tracked and we just are going from thing to thing to thing to thing and we're so busy that we really turn around, we look around and say, you know what? I don't really have any good friends anymore. I don't really have deep relationships anymore. I mean, my friends from high school, we've went everywhere. My friends from college, we're definitely, you know, we kind of get together. And we turn around so often because it seems like our culture it, it is pushing us into a fast-track life where we just don't have deep, loving, nurturing, healthy, encouraging relationships anymore. Or maybe it's the materialism of our culture where I, I just need to possess this or I need to reach that income level or I need to pay that off. And so instead, our, our time is consumed by making more money that we turn around and we look around and say, you know what, I've just been so busy. All I do is work all the time. I don't have time for people. You ever said that? I just don't have time for people, right? Again, our culture is pushing us that way. Maybe it's the whole social media um, phenomenon that they are now realizing, and this isn't coming from Christian people, okay? Not coming from kingdom thinking. This is people who, scientists who study this, uh, you know, uh, study this human behavior that realize that social media is pushing us into a superficial kind of lifestyle. I mean, they're even determining, uh, I read this this week, in Florida, they are, there's actually a, a court case, it went to the Supreme Court, I'm not sure if they've ruled on it yet, whether a Facebook friend is really a friend. <laughs> you say, how does that happen? How does it get to the court? Well, the judge, in a case, was Facebook friends with one of the attorneys in the case. And somebody objected to that because it would be a conflict of interest if the attorney and the judge were friends, were Facebook friends. And so now they're trying to determine whether Facebook friends are really friends. And yet, our, you know, it's this phenomenon where we are, we just, it's surface, I connect with you, but I really don't know you. And all around, we are people that increasingly are becoming isolated. In fact, 
2015, after 35 years and 3.5 million people, that's a, that's a very exhaustive scientific study, it found that those who are falling into the categories of loneliness, isolation, and even simply living on their own see their risk of premature death rise 26 to 32%. And it's amazing, I'm telling you. You, you start to look at all this data even our pharmaceutical companies, how we, all this stuff with, with loneliness and depression that's from loneliness. We are a culture that is dealing with relationship crisis in a lot of ways. And so it's easy, it's very explainable for us to look around and say, you know what? I just don't have any friends anymore. I've heard it said, you've probably heard this you probably heard this, but I've heard it from so many people, older people who've lived life, have a lot of wisdom, who will say that if you find one or two really good friends in your life, consider yourself fortunate or lucky. You ever heard anybody say that? Yeah, I see people all over shaking their head because that's common, a common adage in our culture. But you know what? The scriptures present a different kind of thing, doesn't it? The kingdom of God is a different kind of paradigm. It's a different dynamic. In fact, in the New Testament, there are 59 one another's. 59. 59 one another's. Guess what? You cannot one another yourself. Doesn't work. Can't do it. Because the scriptures are trying to position us in a place where God always intended for us to be, and that is in community. That is experiencing deep, nurturing, loving, healthy, encouraging, I could just keep going on, right? Friendships, relationships. And I would remind you, you ask the question, well, why do I need friends? Why? Some of you, especially you introverts today, are like, oh, great. I'm gonna feel really guilty because I can stay home for a week by myself and be fine, right? Some of you introverts, listen, why do you need friends? Well, here, let's just start unpackaging the scriptures this morning. Why do I need friends? Well, I would say the first thing is for spiritual growth, for spiritual growth. Listen to Paul. Paul, Paul, way up here, is saying things like this. I, that you and I, may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Paul, absolutely not, he, not only here, just everywhere, was saying, I need you for my own spiritual growth. Paul, the apostle Paul, talked about needing people for his growth. We need each other for spiritual growth. Think about what James chapter five, verse 16 says, therefore confess your faults to one another and pray for each other so that you what? You may be healed, healed. The idea is, it's always been, that one of the ways that we grow in our faith is through the context of one another. Your faith encourages me. Your love inspires me. You get the idea, right? So why do I need relationships? Why do I need friends? For spiritual growth. That's why this church is holding to and trying to move deeper into this idea of small group ministry. Small group ministry. 
fact, right now, there's a bunch of them being organized. We're, we're getting this thing more off the ground. We're actually, you can sign up if you're interested in being a part of a small group. We will talk to you and get you in a place where you can become a part of a small group because we absolutely believe that part of the way, one of the primary ways that we grow in our faith is through the context of a smaller group of other people. Friends, relationships, for spiritual growth, for emotional support. Why do I need friends? For emotional support. Listen to this word in Galatians chapter six. Carry one another's burdens, and in doing so, you do what? You fulfill, fulfill the law of Christ. This is the way the law of Christ works. This is his whole plan in place. One of the central things is we come alongside each other and support each other. We carry one another's burdens. This carries it the idea of a tough emotional time, tough circumstances that are creating trying emotional times, and we are supposed to come together and support and lift each other up. For spiritual growth, for emotional support, for social enjoyment. Look, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. God said, or man, uh, God said it's not good for man to be alone. Right at the beginning, social. I'm going to create a woman, and then I'm going to create a people, and I'm going to create a whole you know, world of people because core to that is social enjoyment. Look at our God himself. Trinitarian in nature, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, relating to each other in relationship with one another, enjoying one another. And relational God creates relational people and puts into effect a system where we were, we were meant for each other to enjoy one another, for social enjoyment. I would say also for effective purpose, for effective purpose. Listen to Ecclesiastes. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either one falls down, one can help the other up. Pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. I wish I had time to elaborate on these things. You talk to the people who have had the most purpose in this world, what we would call successful, and one of the things you'll always find is they will talk about the team of people around them, the people that helped them find their purpose and live their purpose. And I would tell you today, you will not get to where you're supposed to be on your own. It will take good, healthy relationships. And that's why you need friends. That's why you need relationships, spiritual growth, emotional support, social enjoyment, and an effective purpose. I would say this to me is the Magna Carta for relationships in all of the scriptures. This is the Magna Carta, these two verses. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. And in that word, cling to what is good, it's, it's He's talking about how we relate to one another. He's saying, see the good in people. Look for the good. Focus on the good. Dwell on the good. Be sincere. Look for the good. Be devoted to one another in love and honor one another above yourselves. All right. We good to go?
man, it's so quiet in here, and all the kids are in here. This is amazing. Moms, you're doing great. Some of you are like, you have no idea right now. I'm just surviving. So, if so often we get stuck, and yet, Chip, you're saying, this is what I need. And listen, it is what you need, whether you've realized it or not. You will come to a point when you look around. It's sad to see older people who look around and have no, don't have good relationships. And they're lonely and um, for so many reasons. Um, this is why God intended us to be in relationship with one another, in a relating community that supports and encourages one another, and to have good, solid friends in our lives. So you say, I, I get what you're saying. You've already started to show me scripture that, 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 that is telling me that. Here's what I just simply want to leave with you today. I just want to leave you some relationship principles to live by. If you and I need good, healthy friendships, here's what the word tells us about how that can happen, what needs to happen in our life. The first thing I would say is to have good, healthy friendships, you have to be willing to invest your time. You have to be willing to invest your time. I remember James Deal, the general superintendent in the Church of the Nazarene. One time I was listening to him. We were in a thing, and he was chatting with us. And he said, you know what? Early on I realized that if I was going to have good friends, it was going to cost me two things. It was going to cost me money, and it was going to cost me time. Good friendships do not happen without time. Time. Uh, Philippians, this is what Paul's saying to us. Not looking to my own interests, but each of you looking to the interests of others. To be able to be interested in somebody else, to be able to connect with somebody else, to get into their life is what he's saying. Uh, he goes on beautifully to talk about what Jesus did. It carries with that idea that I am making a commitment to put a pause on my life, my deal, my thing, my schedule, and I am going to spend time with you. Friends do not just happen. Friends are cultivated over time with time. Invest your time. Um, time's a very valuable commodity, isn't it? In fact, it's the most valuable thing probably we have in this world. But a friend who invests time is the kind of friend who does stuff like this. They will drop their plans if you need them. It's the kind of friend that you're on the phone with, that you're texting with, and you're saying, man, I'm struggling, or this happened, or this is going on. They're the kind of friends who say, you know what, I'm coming over. Or you know what, let's meet here. Friendship calls for a sacrifice, a commitment of our time, our schedule, our deal. You will never make quality friends without quality time. Friends are the kind of friends, these kind of friends that invest their time. Is, is, these are the kind of friends that when you have a party, these are the guys that stay around to help you clean up. Acquaintances go ahead and leave. Friends stick around and help you clean up. 
They're invested in your deal, in your time. Invest your time. The second thing is to be a good friend, to have healthy relationships, earn their trust. Earn their trust. Many claim to have unfailing love, but a faithful person who can find. It's a rhetorical question in Proverbs, and the idea is, other versions, and the way I believe it's written out is, a trustworthy person is rare and extremely valuable. And a trustworthy person is who makes a great friend. Relationships are built on trust, right? All of you that are married, you're shaking your head right now. The trust, absolutely, is at the centerpiece of your marriage, but trust is at the centerpiece of your relationships. And you earn people's trust. You earn your friend's trust. How? By things like, by being loyal, by being loyal. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. You know, if you're like me, you've probably had scenarios or situations in your life where somebody has misspoke about you or they have put you in a bad light, right? And I, can, I know those few friends in my life right now, those really good friends, then it doesn't matter what they hear about me. They're extremely loyal to me. That might not mean that they don't ask me, hey, what's this? <laughs> but I, I, I don't worry about, oh, great, they're gonna hear that and they're just gonna dump me. They're loyal. You earn people's trust by loyalty. Again, by being reliable, Again, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Reliable. You know, um, they're the kind of people that when you're going through a difficult time, they're checking on you. They're, They're making sure that you're okay. That's why it's so important, this is a sideline, for our small group ministry to develop and grow and grow here. It's amazing the small groups we have. I, I love to watch it when somebody goes through something difficult. It's amazing how they support one another and lift each other up. We could have a whole video testimonial series about how that's happened just since I've been here. People losing their jobs, people going through tragedy, and their small group just, they're reliable. They earn their trust with one another. They're reliable. The last thing I would say is by keeping confidence by keeping confidence. Listen to this. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy person keeps a secret. Um, I would simply say this. Anyone gossiping to you is gossiping about you. Trust takes years to build, and it's lost in a moment. And a good friend earns trust, while By keeping a confidence, by keeping a confidence. Moving on. Am I, am I going okay? All right, I'm going really fast. But I really just, I, I feel like this is something that we all need to hear right now. I, I want to build better and more friendships. I need this. We need this. The scriptures speak into this. And so often we get stuck over here looking around saying, you know, I just don't really have any good friends anymore. You know, what, what do we do about this? Invest time, earn trust. The third one would be listen 
with empathy. Listen with empathy. Let me see, especially married people, if you can relate to this video. Yeah. <laughs> we all kind of experience that, especially in a marriage relationship, right? And a lot of times, most of the time, women just want us to listen. And it can, but I'll tell you what, there is something to that. There's absolutely something to that. A good friend, <laughs> a good friend is a good listener. What this means, listen to this, James chapter one, verse 19. My brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be what? Quick to listen and slow to speak. Now there might be other biological reasons why we have two ears and one mouth. But for me, it's simply good enough to to think that the reason I have two ears and one mouth is I need to listen first and listen first more. And good friends are friends who are good listeners. You know what this means? Uh, Listen, can you relate to this? Because I definitely can. In listening, I choose to listen to what they're saying instead of what I am going to say next. Right? I catch myself. I'm thinking about how am I going to respond? What do I need to say? They need to hear this. Good listener is totally focused on them. I'm listening for emotions, not just for words. I'm looking in their eyes. I'm listening to what they're not saying. And I'm not trying to fix things. Even a nail in their head. A good friend is a good listener. I think that's exactly why the scriptures tell us, be quick to listen and slow to speak. This is how you build, cultivate good relationships. Man, Lord, help me with that. Because so often I get so, I'm still in my world. 
I'm still in my opinion, my, 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 and I'm listening to them thinking about what I need to tell them, what I need to tell them. And all the while, so often, I'm missing really what they're trying to say or what they need, or just the fact they just need to be heard, listening with empathy. I'd say accept their flaws, accept their flaws. (laughs) Um, Romans chapter 15, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. If you haven't learned this already, or if you've been going through a lot of friends, you probably have this problem. You're not gonna find a perfect friend. It's not gonna happen. You're not gonna find somebody that does everything that you think they should do or how they act or they're gonna say the right things or they, just, it doesn't happen. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah that one friend maybe that um, they always run late to everything. And so you're like, all right, you need to be there at 5.30. We need to be to the concert at 6.30. Starts at 7. I want good seats. Be there at 5.30. And 5.43, they come pulling in your driveway. Right? And they do this all the time. You don't just dump them, right? Friendships look past flaws. They accept the fact that we are flawed. The best friends I have know my flaws and I know theirs. You know what, probably sometimes we just laugh about it. We definitely don't let it get in the way of cultivating a deep friendship. Accept as Christ accepted you. Well, guess what? He accepted you with a lot, a lot of flaws. And he doesn't hold that against you. Accept their flaws. I would say be proactive. Be proactive. You know, Romans chapter 18, it's that passage of scripture that says a lot about relationships. In fact, it starts this way. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of them. If they listen to you, you've won them over. Then it goes on. If they don't listen to you, then take two or three. And if they don't, then the elders. It's this passage that we don't put on our welcome brochures, right? It's the whole church discipline type thing. If you've got a problem and somebody's uh, you know, obstinate about it, how do you deal with that? But you know what I noticed? I was thinking about this because this passage, Matthew 18, has a lot to say. I noticed that what is God calling us to do with, with relationships? Be proactive, Be proactive. And I know as I thought about this, I've experienced this and I'm sure you have. You have a friendship. You have a relationship with somebody and maybe in the course of it, they say something that hurts your feelings really bad. They were insensitive. They said the wrong thing at the wrong time or maybe it's you. If you're like me, it's probably me. They said the wrong thing at the wrong time. I hurt somebody's feelings or something like that. You know what happens so often? is we just let it fester. We don't say anything, right? We just stew over it. And maybe we even get to a point where we, we just stop talking to them as much. And, and then maybe we start hanging out with somebody else. And, and, and I'm telling you, good, healthy relationships that you need are relationships that are proactive, that pick up the phone or, or in person and say, hey, man, you hurt my feelings, Did you really mean that about me? 
Do you really think that's the way I am? Or do you really think I should have done that? It's proactive. It's taking care of it quickly. Uh, A phrase from my childhood, nip it in the bud before it spins out of control and becomes something that ruins and destroys a good friendship. Be proactive. I would say don't settle. Don't settle in your relationships. Uh, Proverbs says this, walk with the wise and become wise. A companion of fools suffers harm. Paul says in Corinthians, when talking about some really important stuff, he says this, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. I would say to have deep, helpful, supporting friendships, it matters the character of the friends that you make. Amen? You've heard this from your parents, haven't you? Since you're a little kid. Who you hang around with is a reflection of who you are and who you are going to become. I remember I, this was big to me because growing up, I was, uh, when I say this, you'll understand what I'm saying. I was, a, I was a pastor's kid. Some of you know what that means, right? For some of, some of us helped gain a reputation for the rest of everybody else that are pastor's kids. I was one of those kids. Um, my kids aren't in here this service, so I can talk a little bit more freely. But I was. I mean, I, I, I ran with a bad crowd, I got into party lifestyle, all that jazz, okay? And um, when I was 17, I mean, the Lord found me, let's put it that way. And my life was absolutely, because I was ready. I already had college plans. I was already doing my own thing. I was headlong into that. I had already graduated early, and I was going, going, going. And the Lord absolutely found me, saved my life, and changed my heart big time. And yet, everybody I was good friends with, (laughs) they didn't see it. (laughs) Or they 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 weren't the same as me now. I'm sitting there thinking, oh man, I have great friendships, but the more I hang around them, the more I'm just like, man, it's not going the same way you are anymore. I just don't see it that way anymore. And you know, I don't, I'm just not interested in that kind of of activities anymore. I I just, do you see what I mean? Man, it was tough for me to figure that out. And I didn't want to be unloving and kind. These were good friends. I mean, these were people I I didn't want to just say, I'm a Christian now, forget you. And yet I realized, and you know what? Just slowly over time, my circle of friends changed. Now, I still have those people that are friends, but it kind of went down. Yeah, we're friendly. We just don't really have anything in common anymore. I still can go back to Lima. That's those years we're in Lima, <laughs> in Elida. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I catch up with one, and it's fine, but it's, you see what I mean? Don't settle for people that are not where you're going, where you should go who you should be. Don't be unkind, but just realize in this matter of good supporting relationships, 
the quality of the people you choose to be friends with matters greatly. Don't settle. I'd say this, celebrate wins and losses. I'm almost done, you're okay. Celebrate wins and losses together. Celebrate wins and share losses. Celebrate wins and share losses. Uh, Romans says, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. I tell you, one of the greatest evidences of grace I ever see is when people are friends with somebody else and their friend gets a better job than they have, makes more money than they make, has a blessing that's completely bigger than what they're experiencing right now, and they are not jealous or envious of them. They are truly happy for them. You ever see that? That makes me walk away and say, you know what, Jesus is real. Jesus is real because they are happy about what's happening in their friend's life. That's amazing. And good, deep friendships celebrate wins with their friends. They also share losses. You guys know I'm a sports guy. But one of my favorite stories in this is, is um, the story about Jackie Robinson. Jackie Robinson was um, the guy who was the first African-American baseball player. Opened the gates for every other sport, really. Um, helped in the whole civil rights movement. You guys know who Jackie Robinson is. And um, when he came in, it was not popular, and he would go play baseball at stadiums where fans would heckle and jeer and boo him simply because of his race. He faced that day in and day out, day in and day out. And he recounts this story. He said this story is what helped change his life, changed his life. He said one day they were playing at home in Brooklyn, his home fans, and he was a good baseball player, a great baseball player. He said he made an error. He booted a ball and he made an error. And all of a sudden, his own fans started heckling him, booing him, jeering him, throwing out racial stuff at him. Just, just, and he said he stood there by second base and he was just utterly humiliated. Not only did he messed up, his home fans are just absolutely just giving him the business. And he said the Dodgers shortstop was a guy named Pee Wee Reese. He was a Hall of Famer, great player, well-loved by the fans. He said Pee Wee Reese left his position at shortstop, walked over to Jackie Robinson while the boos are raining down, while the jeers are coming, and he said he simply put his arm around him. And he just stood there. And he said the crowd just slowly started to go quiet, more and more quiet, until it got completely silent. As Pee Wee Reese shared in the loss his friend was experiencing. Jackie Robinson said that moment was the reason why I stayed with it. I would have quit so many times, but that friend standing with me in that hard time inspired me to keep going. You have no idea what it means to friends when you share in their losses, when you mourn when they mourn, when you come up beside them and are in the middle of it with them. Bring out their best would be the last thing. Iron sharpens iron, right? Proverbs 17, 17. Uh, Proverbs 24, 26, an honest answer is like a kiss on the lips. Um, you need friends that bring out your best. Friends that you reach a level where they can look at you and challenge you, inspire you, encourage you. Hey man, I think you can have better. I think you can do better. I think there's more for you. Good friends bring out their best. I would remind you though that all of this happens, all of this happens because of one person. 
That's the one that Proverbs says is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. That's, that's, this happens because there is one who showed this kind of friendship. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down his life for his friends. Jesus referred to his disciples as his friends. He called Abraham his friend, did he not? God is a God, a relational God, who wants to have a friendship with us. And out of that friendship with us, as he models that for us and shows us it's possible and gives us the light, we then in turn experience deep, lasting, encouraging, supporting friendships with one another. So I invite you to stand this morning. I hope that just over this time as I've talked, that I've reminded you that relationships are absolutely important. You were created to live in relationships with others. And you say right now, I'm doing fine. I'm so busy with this. I have my family. Hey, family are absolutely a part of relationships. But God actually created you to have even more. In fact, sometimes you need more friendships than just your family, right? For your own sanity sometimes. Can I get an amen? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. So go counterculture to our world and take time. Invest time. Devote. Make it a priority because in doing so, you will reap the joy and the benefits of this life that God has created for you. Deep, lasting, supporting, encouraging relationships. Father, go with us. May these words from Scripture stick with us. And Lord, help us to move into an area or be in an area or cultivate or continue in an area where our lives are full and full of joy because of the deep friendships we have, relationships you've given to us. Go with each one from this place. May they have a great Sunday and a great week in Jesus' name. Amen.